0: You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hi everyone, it's Connie here and welcome back to another episode of Awaken Radio. I have a really beautiful interview and heartfelt conversation in store for you today with Mary Hyatt. Now, today's conversation is going to be a beautiful dive into talking about authenticity. And I think it's a really powerful topic because many of us without realizing, maybe living lives and doing things in our lives that aren't aligned with who we are at our truest essence, who we are at our core. It is so easy in these lives today to get pulled off track and to start listening to external validation, guidance, societal expectations, and lose touch with who we really are at our core, what our own heart desires, and what lights us up. As Mary shares in our chat today, it's very easy to get caught up in modifying ourselves to be loved and accepted by others, and as you go on the journey of really waking up your authentic self, it may sometimes mean that not everyone understands it or likes it, and your relationships begin to change. So I'm excited to share Mary's journey with you because I think it'll be a beautiful wake-up call for any of you who have had the sense or the niggling feeling that maybe you're not living as your truest self, maybe you're not on the path you're meant to be on in your life, and I hope this conversation today will really support you to start tuning in more and listening to who you desire to be. So let me introduce Mary to you for any of you who may not know her. Mary Hyatt is on a quest to feel alive and to live a life full of gratitude, joy, authenticity and abundance in her body, mind and soul. Mary believes that every person has the ability to create a life they love. She lives in the heart of Nashville and her days are spent juggling the roles of holistic lifestyle advocate as a Blue Diamond wellness advocate with doTERRA Essential Oils and a life coach and business consultant. She helps her clients wake up, find their voice and become fully alive. You can join Mary every Wednesday at 1 p.m. CST on her Facebook live show where she dives into raw topics and helps her audience fall back in love with themselves, and believe in their potential. Now, that's exactly what today's conversation is all about. It's all about loving who you are, loving your body, and letting your true self be seen. So let's dive into this beautiful conversation with Mary Hyatt. Hi, Mary. Welcome to Awaken Radio. It is awesome to be here with you.
1: Oh, Connie, thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, let's open up with a little bit about you and your journey because some of my community may not have come across you as yet and they may not know uh, about your work and what you do. So. I know from, from reading about your journey and your story that you've walked a really powerful path to get to where you are now. And so much of what you are passionate about teaching other people is really reflective of what you've gone through personally. So can you give us a little background and insight into your story, the journey that you've walked, maybe some of the key struggles you've had along the way that have been the catalyst for you now doing the work that you're doing in the world?
1: Absolutely. So, I like to take people on a little journey and kind of rewind about ten years ago. So, I'm 31 years old now, and I got married at the age of 20. And I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, in the states, in the in the deep Mm. South. (laughs) And so, that was what was expected. And where I'm from is, you know, you meet somebody and you get. Married young, and you have babies, and that is just about all she wrote. Is kind of kind of the <laughs> the way it goes here, and and so I, being a middle child and somebody who now are re- recovering people pleaser, but certainly at that time, that young age, I just wanted to make everybody happy and be the person that I thought that they wanted me to be. And so I got myself into a marriage that probably should not have been in and ended up since then have, have, have divorced. But I had to experience a lot of different, I mean, kind of traumatic experiences early on in in my marriage. One of which was I was the caretaker of my nephew, my ex-husband and I both were, and he was diagnosed with neuroblastoma cancer at the age of two and he ended up passing away at the age of four which was just incredibly devastating to be newly married he got diagnosed just a couple months after we were married and um, ended up having to to be with him and very often in the hospital and it was just I mean it's even hard to talk about now just thinking about that and being so young without a lot of life experience I had no way to know how to even begin coping with that kind of grief. And so for me, what ended up being a natural coping mechanism was turning towards food. And I ended up just, I feel like eating my way through the grief. I completely numbed out. I put on about 80 pounds and shut down. I had incredible anxiety and depression and was sleeping all the time. I ended up developing endometriosis and was in a lot of physical pain and i can remember there was this one moment where i looked at myself in the mirror and i was probably 26 maybe at the time and i thought to myself oh my god you know what has happened to my life there has got to be more to life than Just surviving. I didn't even recognize myself, who I was—the the the spunky kid, the one who was incredibly social in high school—all of a sudden was nowhere to be found. And in that moment, I felt like I had no idea what to do, but I knew that there was some hope (laughs) for shifting and for changing. And I felt like I need to go on the search to figure out how to find myself. And so I remember this moment after that uh, experience in the mirror that I went on my computer and I ordered like 20 self-help (laughs) self-discovery books. Cause I thought, well, somebody has got to know the answer. (laughs) Um, and I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people listening can relate to that where you just think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to learn from people that have walked this journey before. And I got them all in the mail and I sort of vowed silently to myself that I would take myself through self-discovery school, And just began voraciously reading through book after book after book. And I was journaling and I was journaling and I was journaling. And I ended up in that moment, my heaviest weight. Uh, I went to a yoga class and which was crazy because I was 240 pounds. And for me, walking into a yoga studio just seemed like the craziest idea. Because I think oftentimes we think that there is this sort of ideal body Mm. that should be in a yoga studio. Mm. And I had no place within that. But a good friend of mine invited me. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to go and trust her to go. And two weeks later, I actually ended up going to yoga teacher training to become a yoga instructor, which was just crazy, man, coming from a place of being totally dead to going, okay, like, this felt like the thing that was going to save me. And so I became a yoga instructor. And that really set my life in motion, to coming back home to myself, to becoming the person that I was before and even a, a, a bigger version and ultimately led me down this beautiful path of of healing, of deep healing and learning how to create a connection again with my body, to heal the emotional wounds that were showing up with all kinds of physical uh, ailments in my body and ultimately pursue this, this journey of living fully alive. Like I was not willing to be sleepwalking, to be asleep for life any longer. And so over the course of several years, you know, I started to build upon that little by little, became a a life coach. And now I'm creating a course all centered around coming to a place of, Uh, Peace with the mirror and really accepting the body that we have currently and loving it. Um, So it's, it's been quite, quite the journey and got divorced through that as part of the process. And um, I just am so grateful to be here now, but it has been, you know, a lot of work, a lot of work to get there.
0: Hundred Wow, 100%. That is an incredible journey that you've been on. And I think what really impacts me the most about it is that moment when you look in the mirror. And I think we all have those moments where we're like, whoa, things have got really bad or things are really not how I want them to be. Things are really not feeling good. But it takes a lot of courage to change. Sure, we can have the moment where we're like, this is really not where I want to be, but you you took action in those moments, which which began to create some change. You took yourself to yoga, even though it was probably super uncomfortable for you. And I think that's an important thing for people to realize is these first steps aren't always going to be easy mm-hmm. and, you, and you committed to your own growth and learning. Um, What were some of the key things that when you you got all that stack of self-help books, what were some of the things that you discovered that really started to change things for you back then? Some of the the earliest things that you started to learn?
1: Yeah. One of the first books that I can remember reading was Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. And up until that point, I mean, the perception that I had about women was that our role and our job was to ultimately, if I were to really peel it back, I don't know that I could consciously say it then, but now the understanding is my role in life was to please a man. My role in life was basically to call, you know, when I was called upon to kind of speak, but ultimately to sort of be quiet and not rock the boat too much and, and really ultimately be beautiful for somebody else and to please somebody else. And so the the idea that there could be an authentic version of going through life was very foreign to me. And so I was reading this book and I can remember thinking like the idea of sharing vulnerably my internal dialogue or what I'm actually experiencing or even exploring what I want, what my preferences would be, and ultimately using my voice it was really a shock. I mean, I think mm. when I was reading her book, I just thought, "Okay, this is great, but who actually can do that?" <laughs> you know, I mean, who mm. who is a woman is brave enough to actually use their voice? And as I kept reading it, I kept reading it, and there was something inside of me that just felt so aligned with that way of showing up in the world authentically, and I didn't really know what that exactly looked like yet, but I knew that that was going to be part of my journey. And so, I think what happened for me is there was this sort of permission Mm. to explore that there might possibly just be a different way of showing up as a woman that maybe it didn't have to be the way that I thought it had to be. And maybe what I actually believed was true. And the role that I had accepted was something that I could shift and change. And ultimately that I was responsible for Uh, saying yes or saying no to. And I think that at the core, recognizing Mm. that we have a choice and that we actually have some power or some say over the matter is so incredibly liberating. Mm. And that to me was like the, the, the first big aha moment, like, oh, I have to be responsible for my life and I get to decide and and yeah, there might be a different way of doing this than I've been doing it all along.
0: Wow. And people could relate to what you're talking about in so many different ways, because I think a lot of us start living our lives, playing out roles, meeting the expectations of others or who we think we should be, or falling into people-pleasing patterns, like you mentioned, or just learning yeah, who we should be as a woman or as a man or as a wife or as a mother or as an employee. And then at some point realize we've become this person that isn't authentically who we are. And you touched on something really beautiful there, almost about the link between authenticity and vulnerability, which really intrigues me as well because I think there's a big connection there about how we become authentic and and what it requires from us in terms of vulnerability. If someone is in this place where... They, they're coming to realize, I think the person that I'm being in the world is not actually my authentic self. I mean, how do we even begin that journey of knowing who am I authentically? How did you, how did you then even also find the courage to start being what felt like your authentic self? If it meant, you know, displeasing other people or going against how people who people knew you to be?
1: Yeah, it's it, such a great question, Connie. I think for me, it was, it's a, of course always a journey, mm. but for me, the first piece of this, I kind of did in secret, honestly, I sort of thought to myself, well, I can't really explore this out in public yet because that would disrupt a lot of, you know, relationships that I had, a lot of the ways in which I related to people and the roles that I was playing. So I knew I couldn't do that ultimately publicly at the beginning. And so I sort of went on this internal journey of curiosity of who am I and I can remember writing in my journal this is something that would be so easy for everyone listening to do that would not be too risky you know I think sometimes Mm. at the beginning we have to do things that feel really safe for us and so a journal exercise that I did I literally wrote out who am I and on one piece of paper I wrote out everything that everybody said that I was. So all the roles that I played, all of the ways that people would define who I who I was. And the amazing thing about that is depending on how we identify who we are, depending on how or who we say that we are, we try to stay consistent in every single way to our identity. And so if we give other people the power to create that identity for ourselves, we end up, you know, running around trying to stay consistent with other people's definition of who uh, we are. And so I thought, okay, I need to look at first, who do people say that I am? And really get clear on the stories that I was telling myself that weren't coming from the, the part of me that was true. It was coming outside of myself. So who would my mom say that I am? Who would my dad say that I am? Who would my friends say that I am? My church, my, my school, all of the, the different ways that I was raised, how would they define Mary Hyatt? And then I kind of looked back at that list and I thought to myself, okay, what part of this feels true to me? What part of this feels like a mask that I'm putting on and trading out? And what part of this actually feels really congruent in my soul with who I am? And so I sort of went through that and I would just circle the, the, the pieces of that that felt true. And there weren't really a, a lot of them. I mean, I had done a really good job at creating a pretty big facade around my identity. And so then on the second sheet of paper, what I did was I started to write out, okay, who am I really? Mm-hmm. If nobody else's voice got a vote, if nobody came in to offer their opinion, who am I really? Who was I when I was three years old when I was five years old when I was 10 year old before somebody came in and said you need to be this or you need to be that how would I choose to define myself and what feels really true what feels really good and sort of honestly like wrote out a, a, a roadmap of all of the authentic parts of who that I was mm-hmm. and there was a lot of gaps in there there was a lot of questions that I had like I've been so disconnected from who I am. I'm not sure that I fully know. So that list was a lot shorter. Um, There was only a few things that I did feel like were true. And so that's sort of when I went on uh, this curiosity journey of discovering that. And that was in private. I I started to experiment with different things, even like, how do I like to move my body? You know, I've been in the gym for, uh, or the fear of the gym for so long and felt like the only way to move my body would be to work out. And so I wasn't doing that because I hated that experience at the time. And so I started to explore, well what would it look like if I went on a hike? Do I enjoy mm-hmm. that? Do I enjoy a yoga class? Do I enjoy, you know, going and moving my body in some form of dance? You know, what would that look like if I decided to choose for myself and if I could give myself permission to have a preference? What does that look like? So I really ultimately went on a journey of curiosity to discover my preferences that kind of sort of led me back to oh yeah this is what makes me come alive oh oh my gosh like I had no idea but I freaking love this Mm. and so I started to kind of add to that list of who I am and any time that I felt like something happened that felt so true to who I was I would just journal it I would go back to that page and write it in.
0: Oh, I love that so much because I actually went on a very similar journey when I was around 27 and I was deconstructing this whole identity of who I'd been and was really getting to know myself again. That exercise, Mary, is so powerful and I would really recommend people take it on. That beautiful journey of curiosity, of getting to know yourself, of of saying I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know what I love. I don't even know what lights me up, but let me go and experiment, almost be like a child and and play and try some different things and, and see what lights me up. And you teach so much about coming alive. That's a huge part of your work and living fully alive. Is this is this the key to it, to, to living a life fully alive? is Is this process you've been talking about?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think for me when i think about somebody who is fully alive they have no resistance to anything and they're really in a state of curiosity they're really open to exploring to discovering to finding and there isn't this this rigidity rigidity there isn't this 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 experience where they go through life and they keep closing doors, keep closing doors where I can't experience that. I can't do that. I can't do that. Being fully alive really is staying in a a state of wonder, Mm. staying in a state of gratitude. You mentioned Connie kind of being like a little girl, you know, a little kid. And I love that because you think about that imagery and a little girl, I mean, she she isn't worried about how she looks, she isn't worried about if something is right or wrong. She is just experiencing life as it is with this sort of purity that I think we truly can't get back to. And I re- I mean so many of us walk through life completely numbed out. You know, we are buffering our life on every single level. And I remember thinking to myself, and I have heard this from so many of my clients, like I am dead inside. Mm. I wasn't crying. I wasn't experiencing any kind of feelings or any emotions. And I actually thought what being balanced meant was not feeling any emotions. I thought if I can get to the place where I'm not crying and I'm not having these emotions that pop up out of nowhere, that actually is good. That actually is healthy. Mm. And that was such an illusion, and I'm so grateful that I was able to kind of pinpoint, no, 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 actually being fully alive is this willingness to feel. And I teach a lot about feelings, mm-hmm. but the feelings are vital for a life where you're turned on, you know, where the lights are on, <laughs> where yeah. you are awake for life. You have to feel, and it's that allowing, that that openness to all of the experience of life. And I think being fully alive means you get to experience it in 3D, you know, in full color. And, you know, when you've hit on that, because I think that everybody sort of has had an experience or two of being fully alive where you're just, you know, you're kind of in the flow. You're like, oh my God. But the journey to me is figuring out how can we extend that into all areas of our lives and really hold that for longer periods of time where that ends up just being our, our existence. Mm.
0: And I see it as being the embracing of, of two aspects. One of the joy and the aliveness and the freedom. And you touched on that when you began to explore what are these things that feel good to me. So we've got to activate the good feeling stuff. But then, as you said, we've also got to embrace the discomfort and the the other emotions that we've numbed out to because I think fully feeling is is feeling the full spectrum isn't it it's not just wanting to be happy and positive so part of your journey I have no doubt was also then having to feel some of the things that you had been suppressing through eating and through numbing out and disconnecting what was that journey like how did you begin to, to feel the pain
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. And I would absolutely agree. I mean, even last night, like I'm creating this course on, you know, loving your body. And I watched a documentary last night, uh, all about this concept of hating our bodies, uh, as an epidemic. And I got home and I was in my car driving home and I just started to cry. Like I felt this almost collective grief and for me, that was being fully alive in that moment of just giving myself permission to honor what was coming up and to really feel that knowing it wasn't going to overtake me. And when I started this journey several years ago, having an emotional experience to life was very, very threatening. It was very scary because I thought I think a lot of people feel this way at the beginning that if they begin to feel, you know, we, we work so hard on pushing down our negative feelings, quote unquote negative, mm. you know, anger, sadness, grief, frustration, fear, doubt that we, it's almost like if you have a, a beach ball, I'm sure you've know this analogy, but if you have mm. a beach ball and you are in a, uh, in a pool of water and you are pressing so hard on that beach ball to stay underneath the surface underneath of the water, eventually all that pressure will, it'll blow up and it will pop out of the water. And so the fear is that if we let some emotion out, it's like turning on the faucet just a little bit, all of a sudden it's going to break the faucet and it's just going to be this huge water hose of water coming out and we're not going to know what to do. We won't be able to control it. It will end up taking us to the loony bin and all of a sudden our life is over. And so experiencing emotions and feelings are very threatening uh, at the beginning when you haven't had a healthy experience of knowing how to sort of ride the wave. And so for me, I didn't cry for, oh my gosh, probably six or seven years unless it was absolutely necessary. So one of the ways that I began to give myself permission to feel was that I would watch movies that I knew that we're going to be emotionally triggering on some level. And I gave myself permission to do that in private and cry during the movie. It was like, I almost cathartically allowed myself to experience somebody else's Mm. emotions instead of my own. And that was the beginning. And so I started watching a lot of movies and started crying a lot in those movies just to reconnect to my feelings. And then I would start to journal about what I was feeling. And little by little, I started to have an experience where I let myself go there. And now I cry all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I, go into the dark places. I go into the beautiful places without much fear, because I know that it's just an experience that the feelings are actually a vibration that's happening outside of me. It's not actually my identity. So I can be, you know, feel sadness without being a sad person or I can feel anger without being an angry person And I started to look around and I said, who do I know that demonstrates this really beautifully? Because I thought, okay, well, a woman, if she's emotional, that must mean that she's weak. Mm. And that was the belief that I had. And so I had to really challenge that belief by finding proof that maybe the opposite was true. Who do I know that is a strong, beautiful, confident woman who's also not afraid to feel? her way through life. And so I started looking at people that I knew in my real life and I thought, Oh my God, I love her. And yes, she really feels, and she really cries or, um, she allows herself to get angry or whatever. And so I started sort of collecting all of this external proof that maybe it was okay to have emotions as a woman. And that began to give me more and more permission to go there myself.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. I actually, similar to you with the movies, I use music. So if I know that I'm feeling something, but I can't quite get there because I'm in my head or I just can't drop into my body, you know, I know the songs that either activate anger or activate sadness. And I use them as as similar to you with the movies to help me access the emotion and, and clear it. And And I, yeah, I I resonate with so much of what you're saying because I've now come to see my emotion as it actually makes me feel alive, feeling, feeling even pain, even anxiety. It makes me feel alive. Um, the, there's a, when you can really shift your, your, Judgment or label on what emotion is it 's just energy in the body, and I think feeling energy move through your body is actually what makes us feel alive so oh it's such a I love that that you 've um you've been on this journey you 're explaining it so beautifully so okay so you 're doing all this inner work right you're, and you're you 're really focusing on all of this. Behind the scenes, a little working on you, so what starts to happen when you start to now want to emerge in the world in a different way? So much is shifting you're you're finding your authentic self, you're feeling you're getting honest, you're finding your voice. How did you then start to deal with people's reactions or responses to you showing up differently?
1: It was honestly hard I mean it was challenging. I mean, I think that that is part of the journey that that is difficult because as you're shifting and as you're choosing to show up more authentically in the world, one of the things that I realized was that a lot of people really needed me to be the way that I was pretending to be Mm -hmm. in order for them to make sense of their life. And I learned a lot about boundaries, I think, during that time, because I felt like, all right, ultimately, if I can't honor who I am and and show up as my true self, then what really is the point of, of living? And I recognize that a lot of the relationships that I were in were incredibly codependent mm. and enmeshed and, and very unhealthy and toxic. And these are people that were like my family that I just adored and that I loved and that I had experienced a lot of life with. And I can remember the moment where I sort of like almost – stepped back and and looked at it from a bird's eye view and I thought god this is this is not good and so I started having conversations with people about this where I started to show up more authentically and realized this is threatening this is so threatening to them and to their system and to how we've always done things and I was I was honestly pretty lost on how to to deal with that and I was in therapy at the time and such a proponent of that and such a proponent of life coaching and all of the support that you could possibly get because it is challenging to go through this alone and I ended up having to step away from a lot of the relationships that I was in and I ended up having to create some very healthy distance with people that I was in relationship with that ultimately was not in alignment with who I truly was and what I valued and how I wanted to show up in the world. I knew that if I kept playing at life, if I kept pretending to be somebody that I wasn't, it was almost this visceral reaction. I thought, I'm going to die here. Like, I just felt like I'm already on this, this precipice where if I go back into that experience, if I go back and, and live life in the way that I was living it, you know, I was almost dead and I will certainly die. And there won't be a trace of myself that I would be able to find if I go back into there. And I had to little by little step away, which was which was hard. And I tried to do that, I think, in, in an honorable way, in a way that was respectful and not super emotional and reactive, but from a place of really honoring my inner guidance and I spent a couple years pretty alone. I'll be honest. You know, I kind of had to step away and reevaluate and really go into my own little cocoon and do some of that hard work. And I feel like when I emerged and I was willing to look for new friends and explore the idea that I could have some healthy relationships. I feel like the people in my life now are unbelievably amazing. Like I just feel so incredibly grateful and my friends now are healthy. The, my boyfriend, my life partner is so healthy and I'm like, I didn't even know that these people were out there, you know, that this could be the quality of relationships that I could have, but I had to, to work on myself and do those internal shifts. So step away, work on myself and then, be willing to believe that there were people out there who were healthy and that I deserve to be in those healthy relationships.
0: Mm, you touched on the, uh, the idea of being in a codependent relationship. Can you just clarify, what do you see are the indica- indicators of, of codependency in relationships? Cause I think a lot of us are in them, we don't even realize. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. And I think, so, yeah, like you said, so many people are in them codependency to me is when you show up in the relationship in a way that's caretaking somebody else's emotions. Mm. So you sort of tiptoe around everything or particular trigger areas in ways that caretake the other person's feelings. So for example, if I know that it would trigger my husband or my mom or my friend um, if I started to talk about reading Brene Brown's book that, that was threatening, that I would all of a sudden hide that part of my life and I wouldn't talk about it. Uh, so there's a lot of you know hiding that can happen. There's a lot of emotional caretaking. And so oftentimes people in codependent or enmeshed relationships can't experience their own feelings and they... Make all of the all of their decisions based on how is it going to affect the other person in the relationship? How is it going to impact that other person? And if it's going to negatively impact them, I'm not going to do it. And there's really a lack of independence. There's really a lack of understanding who I am and making decisions out of my best interest. And all the decisions that I'm making are caretaking that other person. So it's it's really this. I mean for lack of a better analogy sort of an inbred, you know, kind of way to do life where mm. the other person's taking care of you, you're taking care of them and not from a place of true unconditional love and and overflow of energy. It's like in order to survive, in order that this ship keeps on sailing and it doesn't blow up, I have to do XYZ to keep this person happy.
0: Totally get it. And I think it's also um There's there's an an addiction to the love of the other person. So we're constantly aware of the love that we're receiving. Who do I need to be to get this love? And so as you're saying, we're modifying and we're censoring and we're suppressing different parts of ourselves because we know, okay, this is what makes the other person happy. This is what gets me love. This is what has them approve of me. So I'm going to be that. And then the other person's going through the same pattern. So there's this like, I see it as where our power is completely not there because the other person is the source of our love versus when we cut all those ties and we are the source of our love. Can you talk us through your self-love journey? Because I can imagine coming out of codependent relationships where you are now cutting the addiction to the external source of love and you're now becoming that for yourself. That's what I feel is part of it when we're learning how to come out of these codependent patterns and really step back into our power. What was your, what's your journey been of self-love and what does self-love even mean to you?
1: Uh, I'm so glad you asked this question because that was a, a huge part of my journey because I absolutely believed that love is to be earned you know, that I had yeah. to do something. I had to behave a certain way in order to receive love. And I felt like I was really good at that. Like I kind of had that down. I knew <laughs> the ways to show up. I was like in high school, I was a straight A student. I was teacher's pet. I was uh, class vice president. I was my youth group's president. Like I, I was like, yeah, girl, I got this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. And felt really confident about that because I knew okay I do XYZ it earns me XYZ amount of love and if I feel a little bit empty of that okay well I'll just go perform a little bit more and yes. fill my tank back up yes yes so ugh, which is just like mm. thinking about that now it's just this roller coaster and this hamster wheel where it's it's never enough it's never enough you have to keep trying keep trying keep trying and it's completely conditional so i started this journey, like I said, you know, reading all of these books, but it honestly wasn't until a few years ago where I really got this concept that there is nothing that I can do to earn love. And there is nothing that I can do to lose love. That love itself is our identity. That there is no separation from love. That I myself am love. Mm -hmm. So self-love to me is actually Coming home to myself. It's recognizing that I am no more lovable today than I am when, or that I was when I was born. Like I think about a little baby and when they're born and this analogy is used a lot, but I think about this where my mother, when I came out of the womb and I came out of her and she's holding me and she's looking at me and all I am doing is crying. I start to breastfeed, I start pooping, and that's pretty much my existence. I am not offering anything into the world. I am not doing anything that's making the world a better place. I'm just existing for those, you know, for several months. And my mom in that moment, or, you know, we think about just love in general, loved us in that moment so deeply, and there was nothing that we could have done to earn that love at that time. I think about what if my mom had waited to love me until I started to walk? You know, or what if she withheld love from me until I said my first word. That's just not how it it works. You know, I mean, it's like we are lovable just because we breathe. Our very essence is lovable. And so I, I sort of went home to that place where I thought, man, I'm not any more lovable today than I was when I was five minutes old. And that hits the ego pretty hard, you know, cause I think, well, of course I'm more lovable now. I've done XYZ. i Z. I've accomplished all of these things. I'm super successful. I have this great house, whatever. But the reality is and what I truly believe is that there is nothing now that, that has contributed to making me more lovable. And consequently, I am able to relax now in that love because I can't lose it and that is such a gift. So for me, it started with that belief. I had to shift my internal belief in what I thought about love. The journey of self-love was, okay, if I truly believe that I am lovable now, if I really love myself so much, I'm going to want to do things that wish it goodness that want the best for it, that out of the abundance of the love that I have for myself, I want to nourish myself. I want to take care of myself. And so I began to, before I really got to the place where that was fully true, I started to act like it. You know, if I loved myself, how would I move my body? If I thought I was beautiful, what dress would I buy? If I really loved myself, would I Say yes or no to this invitation? If I wasn't trying to earn love and say yes to earn it, you know, if I really believed that I was lovable no matter what, would I say yes or no? And so I started to kind of give myself permission to pretend like if I really believed that I was worthy of love and that I was love itself, how would I show up in the world differently? Mm -hmm. And I think by practicing that over and over again, eventually, I was like, this is a way better way to live. This is so freeing. And it's sort of like the um, life experience caught up with this new belief that I was trying on. And ultimately, I came to a place where now I feel and know within my entire being that I am so incredibly lovable. And I just have to keep realigning to that all the time and make decisions from a place of just love. And that has that shifted everything for me.
0: You know, as as I've been hearing you talking, I just keep feeling and and seeing just how much courage this journey takes to walk, the one that you've walked, and that I know a lot of people are craving, but In every moment, it takes the courage to stand for your own truth, even if you're not going to be loved, even if other people don't agree, even if other people challenge you, even if you lose people. Like There is a lot that can be at stake when we start to walk our truth. And I've lost so much from my life, honestly, as I've aligned Mm -hmm. with my own truth and spoken my truth and lived authentically. But the rewards that come from that – Uh, they blow your mind. I mean, the the aliveness that you feel and then the way your reality now shifts to bring you things that are a match to your authentic self, like life just goes to this whole new level. Uh, What has changed in your world externally as a result of stepping more into your power and your authenticity?
1: I love that so much. I'm just over here (laughs) grinning from Mm. ear to ear because it's so true. It's like If I had known this was over here, I would have done this work a long time ago. But, you know, of course, it's like perfect timing. But externally, I mean, it's like everything from losing all of this weight, from having to carry the burden of being somebody who I wasn't and needing to self-protect, you know, that's just something that for me, like coming home to my body has been really beautiful. I used to be so afraid to move my body and to be in my body. I had so much body shame and so much body hatred and just getting ready in the morning was, it it was so miserable. I, I would cry to get dressed for any kind of an event, I just hated, hated, hated myself. So to be free of that is like incredible. And just to be able to show up in the world and have a place where I love to move and I love my body and i and I can really feel at home in it, and I can feel like we're on the same team. That has been just such an incredible gift. Uh, outside of that, I've been able to build this amazing business uh, that is, Incredibly successful and been able to have total financial freedom, which is just something that I'm like, okay, how, how did this even happen? I mean, it was just, it was just so, so beautiful to see that journey and to see, okay, well, here's what I can manifest. And here's what I really believe about money and about my ability to make it and the good that it can, can do in the world. And then, you know, getting out of a really unhealthy codependent relationship now being in such a deep loving relationship and really experiencing intimacy, I think, for the first time in my life on a level that is just blowing my mind to see, oh my God, this is love. This is love. And it only came out of that first love that I had to to get to with myself in order to offer that to somebody else and show up authentically. Like The intimacy that happens when we show up as our true selves is so beautiful. So I think externally, it's like, I feel like I am fully alive. I am experiencing life in 3D. And I know that even in the hard stuff, and it's not that life is perfect by any means, and I'm going through it still, you know, but it's still this ability to look at life and go, life is here for me. And that I know that at the end of the day, I can't screw it up. And I'm so grateful because I know that everything behind the scenes is kind of, you know, working together for my good. And that there is so much available to me right now, sitting in that just deep knowing and being willing to use my voice without it feeling like I'm going to destroy my life is freedom. It's ultimate freedom. So I think that at the end of the day, the experience that I had the external loveliness is freedom.
0: And you talked a lot about your relationship with your body. It's been a huge thing that you've healed and shifted, obviously. Was it was it simply a process for you of just listening and feeling a lot more? What were the things that have really worked for you to completely transform not only your body's appearance, but how you feel in it?
1: Yeah, I think for me, it was really being able to listen to my intuition because I think that we're taught not to trust our bodies. I think that we are taught to see our bodies as the enemy as something that we should be angry when it's not this specific weight or if we don't have this feature or or that feature and we live in a world that idolizes one body type the reality is is that most of us don't have that body type and could never have that body type no matter how many hours we spend in the gym no matter what we're eating You know, there is sort of this biological thing that we're going to come up, come up against every single time. And so the new belief that my body is really on my team, that ultimately there is a mind body connection that if I'm going to experience life in 3D, if I'm going to be fully alive, I have to do that through my body. Like that is the Mm. human experience that to smell, to taste, to see, to hear, to touch is a kinesthetic experience and my body is actually working side by side so I think one of the first things that I started to do on this journey of really coming to a place where I actually didn't hate my body I mean I I was I was ultimately I was disgusted I was disgusted with my body every time I looked in the mirror I just thought ugh you know, basically like, how dare you show up in the world? How dare you present yourself in this way? You're, you're gross, you know, you're disgusting. And I honestly had to start with self-forgiveness. I had to lay my hands on my body, on my stomach, on my thighs, on my arms, the, the areas that I was the most cruel to mm-hmm. and ask forgiveness. You know, I forgive myself for buying into the belief that I'm anything less than perfect. You know, I forgive myself for buying into the misbelief. That if I don't look a certain way, that I won't be loved. I forgive myself for judging myself as gross, as disgusting, as unworthy of love. From that place of, of deep compassion and self-forgiveness, moving into gratitude. Like if if we could step into a state of gratitude with our bodies, and we, I know we talk about, and Connie, you talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. just gratitude being sort of the anecdote to everything. The body relationship is no exception. And so being able to look at our bodies and to think about all of the incredible things that they do completely involuntarily and that our body is the only way that we are here in this life and that we are breathing and that we are moving and that we are able to hug somebody, that we are able to go up and down stairs to breathe. All of those things are because of our bodies. And so shifting into a place of gratitude. So that was a big Piece of the healing journey for me was going from I hate my body to body, please forgive me. I'm so sorry for the ways that I have abused you. I'm so sorry for believing that you were against me. And thank you. You know, I, I talk to my body honestly, I journal all the time. I talk to my body as if it's its own person mm-hmm. and that it's its own, you know, has its own identity. And we, we go into dialogue together and I get to listen. Okay, what is my body saying? And so I started to really listen intuitively. I said no to diets. I gave up this pressure to be in the gym and to lose weight. And I, I ended up actually losing weight by rejecting all of that and really coming into a relationship with my body where I listened to it. What did it need? What was it asking for? How did it need to be nourished? What ways did it want to move? And little by little, kind of building up this trust and this relationship with my body and honoring what it was asking for when it needed some extra water. I said, okay, I hear you. And so I went and got a glass of water or if it needed to eat some fresh vegetables, I said, okay, I hear you. I hear that you really need that. Okay, great. If it wanted a cupcake. Okay. I hear you. Great. Let's go get a cupcake. Mm. You know, like I just released that right and wrong and good and bad. And that, that should list of what I should be doing. And instead approached it from a very loving, loving way.
0: Yeah, and you fully dropped back into like in tune with it, you know, listening to it because it is always communicating with us and I think that that's part of the issue of but we've become so disconnected and have got into our heads about all these rules and judgments and ideas and a lot of people and I know I've done it with my body. Felt, I can only love my body when my body's different. And so we go about it the wrong way. We try to change the body first. Then we're like, and then I'll love you when you look like this, mm-hmm. which is like what you're saying with the baby as well. I'll love you when you start talking. I'll love you when you walk, when you do what I want, versus I just love you because, you know, you deserve my love no matter what. Um, and it's a big thing I, I teach women as well is, and you mentioned touch. I think touch is so healing when you can put your hands on your own body and give it thanks give it forgiveness give it forgiveness I I say sorry all the time when I notice myself criticizing myself I will sit in front of the mirror and I will look dead in my eyes and I will apologize to myself until I cry because Mm. it really when I really get the impact and when you were saying those words gross disgusting like I felt that like that is such a horrible thing to communicate to ourselves and when you really look in your own eyes and you apologize and you feel the, the wounds that you're inflicting on yourself through your words, it starts to crack your heart open and it's in there that you start to shift. You're not changing your body, you're changing your relationship to your body, how you're speaking to it, how you're feeling about it. And that is, is just so powerful. And then, I mean, you would have found as well, your body then becomes its best through love, doesn't it? As you love it, it then naturally starts to balance out.
1: Oh yeah. It just, it's like anything really ultimately when you are approaching it out of a place of love versus trying to earn love, you know, Mm -hmm. I say, okay, are you doing this for love or are you doing this out of love? And when you, when you start to relate to things out of love, it's like they can flourish. They become the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, my skin is glowing. My body feels strong. I feel just so, at home in my body and I truly love it. And it was able to drop what it was holding, you know, that excess weight. And for me, it's not even about losing weight. It's about feeling really in tune with your body. It's your body's needs and coming back home. And when you do that in a place of love, it's like it can release all of the holding. And oftentimes that looks like weight, but sometimes it's pain. Sometimes it's that, just that walking around and people feel just nauseated all the time. Releasing that and just going, okay, like we get to partner together. I, I heard this quote the other day that said, our body is our soul's mate. Hmm. And I just loved that. Like our body is our soul's mate. It is the only relationship that we are going to have that lasts our entire lifetime. Mm. And so to cultivate that and to just breathe into that, to live into that relationship and to give it some some attention and some love and some tenderness and some compassion, I mean that that to me, the body is how we experience life. So it shifts everything.
0: Mm. Yeah. I could not agree with you more. All right. And as a final question, I'm really curious um, because you're similar to me as a lot of us who live very authentically of what we're teaching. We're always growing, expanding, stretching, breaking through comfort zone barriers. And so I'd love to know at the moment, what what are you working through? What are you? What's the next level you're breaking into or what challenge or personal limitation are you breaking through? What's, it, what's your personal process around at the moment?
1: I love that question. I'm so <laughs> glad you asked that. For me, I am I feel like I'm hitting that upper upper limit right now where I have a condition on the belief. I have a condition that women shouldn't make a certain amount of money. Like I feel really comfortable making around a certain amount of money. But if I go above that or if I start visualizing making more, it starts feeling really uncomfortable to me. And I start thinking, well, if I make that amount of money, then all of a sudden, I am going to lose friends. Um, women shouldn't ultimately make that much. It's too threatening to men. And I have all these beliefs around making a, a large sum of money and I'm already um, very successful in what I make. And so for me, I'm like, okay, well, I'm already at the top of what is like acceptable in my brain. So I'm already you know, right on the edge, which makes me really nervous. And I ultimately think making more money also would have to require that I show up in life in a way that I wouldn't want to, that I would have to hustle and work more and ultimately give up a life that I really love. And so that's what I'm working through right now is choosing to believe that A, the first part of that is not true, that I am able to be a woman and to be very successful, that there are people that respect that and aren't threatened by that and ultimately that I get to choose how I show up in the world no matter what amount of money that I'm making that I can design my life and have a schedule that is in line with the way that I want to live in line with my values and what I really want to experience and so that that's not necessarily how it has to be and that there is this beautiful relationship between flow and opening yourself up to that and balance. And so that's really what I'm working through right now. I think
0: are these sort of upper limit money, money issues. (laughs) Mm, Beautiful. I love it. It's, I mean, money's just the, the sort of external form of, um, of it. But, but ultimately this path of expansion is just breaking through any form of mental limitation that we've placed upon ourselves about what we're capable of. And I, and I love that just keep blasting through the glass ceiling. It's, it's beautiful. Uh, Can can you share with my, can you share with my audience where they can find out more about you and what you've got coming up over the next few months as well? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me at maryhyatt.com
1: forward slash Awaken. So that's the, the URL for, for this awesome podcast. So Mary Hyatt.com forward slash awaken. And on that that landing page, what you'll find is I host a Facebook live show every single week on Wednesdays um, in the US. And so you can get in more information about that. And it's basically kind of a live version of a podcast. So we get into all of these kinds of issues every single week. So that's a really easy way to find me. I'm also on Instagram, Mary G, like Grace, Mary G Hyatt. And then just stay connected with me because I'm coming out with this course in July that is all about body love and really helping women make peace with the mirror and begin to quiet that inner bully and ultimately learn to accept the body that they're in and love themselves again. So I'm just so excited about that. And so on Instagram, I'm constantly sharing on InstaStory the journey of that and sort of the real life walking through creating a course and really creating a movement around um, something that I'm just incredibly passionate about and feel like has to shift in our world as it is today and really loving ourselves more. So yeah, maryhyatt.com
0: forward slash awaken. Mm, And I'll put all the links below in the show notes as well. So people, people can find you nice and easily. Mary, thank you so much. I have been really blown away by this conversation of how aligned I feel with everything that you share and how much it resonates with me, and how beautifully and powerfully and clearly you articulate. Your your journey and your learnings, and uh, and make it really easy for other people to then go and practice and apply what you're teaching, because it's it's hard sometimes. We look back on our journeys and we're like, wow, I know I've come so far, but really, how did I get here? And I think when we can really clearly break it down for other people and and give them the roadmap of the steps that we've taken and what's worked for us. It's a really supportive thing. So thank you for sharing this with my audience. I just know this is going to support so many people.
1: Oh, you're so welcome. And Connie, thank you for having me and for you know, giving me the ears of your audience. And it's just, it's so just wonderful to be connected with people who women in particular, who care about these things and who are are talking about it and ultimately just shining and sharing more light and sharing more love. And you're no exception. And just thank you for, for having me on the show. I've so enjoyed it. Mm, My
0: absolute pleasure. And thank you to everyone who's been tuned in to this week's episode of Awaken Radio. And I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Lots of love. Bye.